You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Dear members and friends of Cathedral Church of the Advent, it is truly my joy and my privilege to be with you here these next several days in this famous preaching series. I have so many happy memories uh, from the times that I have been here. And in these challenging times, your presence, your friendship, I treasure, it enriches me and strengthens me. My sermons this week will all be from the book of Ezekiel. So, from Ezekiel chapter 37, the hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live. And you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied there was a sound, and behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and the skin had covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, 
I will do it, declares the Lord. Some people say that they don't like the Old Testament. After all, they explain the Old Testament God is a God of wrath, but the New Testament God is a God of love. Others say that they don't like the Old Testament because its history is boring. Well, I disagree with both of these sentiments. By the end of this message, I trust that you will hear from Ezekiel's prophecy of the Valley of Dry Bones that God is for you. This means that God is love. And by the way, the Old Testament isn't boring. What I like about the Old Testament, in particular this passage, filled as it is with vivid imagery, is that it is gripping. It reads a little bit like science fiction. It grabs your attention. It keeps it. Ezekiel's vision of the Valley of the Dry Bones is nothing if not graphic. Can you imagine? Ezekiel is shown a valley full of bones, not bones for a dog to maul on, but human bones. Even so, these bones are nothing a dog would even want unless it were a puppy teething. These bones have no marrow, and all life has been sapped from them. They belong to people who have been long dead. The bones are dry. You would not be wrong in hoping that human bodies would have received a proper burial. Instead, these corpses have been picked to the bone by vultures, have been dispersed by jackals, have been left open to the harshness of the elements, and have withered. For many ancient peoples, there was no greater dishonor than not to be buried upon death. In Greek tragedy, Antigone agonized over her attempt to bury her brother and the cruelty of her uncle in not permitting her to do so. What's more, it is possible that these bones are a defeated army, men who died in battle, whose last breath and words could only have been intense agony and pain, calling out for help, which was not to come to them. This is not so different from COVID patients dying separated from their loved ones. God's question to Ezekiel is purely rhetorical. Can these bones live? Duh, of course not. But Ezekiel gives a prudent answer. Lord God, you know. As you remember the story, Ezekiel is a captive in Babylon. The southern kingdom of Judah was being punished by God for her idolatries and injustices. For many Hebrews, it must have seemed that either Yahweh was no longer loved them or had given up on his covenant to Abraham and Sarah and their descendants, or that he was no match for the gods of Babylon. Remember also that over a century and a half before the empire of Assyria had taken Israel, the northern kingdom, into exile. Who do these bones represent? God's people. They've experienced God's displeasure, his wrath, and have even been reduced to nothing. Just a heap of exiled bones. No living bodies there to eat, breathe, think, play, or sleep. God's people have nothing left of themselves, nothing from which to begin life anew or start over. No hope, no life. Yet it is precisely 
to this dead heap that God commands Ezekiel to prophesy. O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Crazy. Ezekiel is preaching to an audience without ears. And that's no problem for God. Just like breathing life into Adam, creating a man from the mud, so God will breathe life into these bones. Even more, he will flesh out these bones, lay sinews upon them, and cause flesh and skin to cover them. Thereby, God says to this dry heap, you shall know that I am the Lord. God will be known in his ability to do the impossible, create new life out of death. No doubt this pandemic has rendered many jobless, sick, under lockdown, we remember, anxious and depressed. We have experienced grief in the death of loved ones and have been alarmed by social turmoil. We too have felt despair. Many are finding hope in the promise of the vaccine. What is clear is that we too, like these mounds and heaps of old bones, need a word of hope from God. And God is not stingy. God repeatedly emphasizes what he will do. He commands the winds to blow on these slain that they may live. Indeed, it is God's almighty creative word through Ezekiel which raises them from death and transforms them into a mighty host, an exceedingly great army. God takes no game plan from the walking dead. God doesn't raise a host of zombies. God will have nothing to do with zombies. Instead, he raises up men and women who know God's voice, God's command, and their own names as addressed by God. Zombies may associate with one another, do a kind of parallel play with one another, but they have no genuine community. Here in Ezekiel, God provides community for those raised from death. They will return to the promised land. God will make this host to be a community of conversation and consolation. People who bear each other's burdens and have each other's backs. Plus, they are giving God's spirit to empower them. Is the God of the Old Testament a God of wrath and not love? Ezekiel shouts that God is love. God refuses to let his people's misdeeds, rebellion, injustices, and idolatries define them. Instead, God defines his people by his own righteousness, his own love. He tells them to live, and they live. As God speaks, so it is done. Whatever anger we encounter in the Old Testament God, it is only but the flip side of 
God's love. God says no to all those things that harm life, that separate us from him as the center of our lives, and that deafen our ears to our responsibility to others and this good earth. God builds consequences right into the creation. If we violate either this planet or life-affirming community, we will feel the effects of environmental disaster or social unrest. If we sow distrust in our families, we will receive distrust. And in popular parlance, what goes around comes around. But God is a God of life. Death could not hold our Lord Jesus down. He was raised on Easter, and the challenges and even despair of this last year will not hold you down either. God holds you in the palm of his hand. His power extends over any plague, over any insecurity, over any injustice or wrong. He promises to be your God. He promises to be for you. He promises to bring you through and to bring you to the heavenly home. His love, not your spiritual indifference or self-righteousness, defines your core. Have you experienced hopelessness and desperation? That might seem to be a pretty heavy question for a Monday afternoon. But Lent is a season where we do not avoid the tough issues. Even matters close to the heart, God promises new life. Because of that, we can live in hope and we can live with courage. We need not be afraid of what others may think of us. We need not protect ourselves from our guilt. Instead, we can examine the depths of our own hearts, our own misdeeds and failings in light of God's law and confess our sins to God and even to others if need be. We can also discern a thread in our lives that God has a purpose for each of us. And this truth restores a sense of balance and meaning and purpose for us. Like other families, my own family experienced agonizing turmoil when my oldest son, as a teen, took to alcohol and illegal drugs. I had been so proud of my son's accomplishments and was devastated when the effects of his usage inhibited his ability to do well in life. As in so many cases, family members blamed each other for the addictions. I will never forget a famous theologian, a mentor, telling me, well, like so many other fathers lost in their work, you have a child acting out, as if all the blame for the addiction fell on me. If your family has never experienced a crisis like this, and I pray that it hasn't, it's hard to understand the trauma, the shame, pain that a family endures. More than likely, you will attribute such problems to bad parenting, just like my mentor. And no doubt, my parenting wasn't perfect. But I will never forget a day, a Father's Day, in fact, when I told my son, I read to you each night 
and was involved in your life precisely so that you would never walk through these issues that you face. Strangely and lovingly, his response to me was, Dad, you're a good dad. You went not only to all my games, you went to all my practices. You not only went to all my concerts, you went to all my rehearsals. Whatever self-blame I had had vanished in that second. I had been completely absolved by my son. He went on to say, my issues are my issues. They have nothing to do with you. In those words, I entered a different light where I realized the truth of what he had said was open to me. His issues were indeed his issues and not mine. It was okay for me to let him be and let him wrestle with them. I realized that my attempts to control his behavior were all for naught and a profound distrust of God's baptismal commitment to my son. For several years, my son has been clean and sober. He holds down a good job and is himself a good dad. All his behaviors pushed me to let go of him, to let him be his own person, especially in the face of the poor decisions which he made at the time. I needed to trust that God, who committed himself to be the father of my son, would fashion both of us, both of us dissected skeletons in light of the Ezekiel passage into whatever artwork that he wanted us to be. Was I innocent in all this? By no means. It is true. I wanted to control my son's behavior. And what I learned was just how powerless I was. And what was the outcome? Entrusting my son's life into God's care, I began to experience new life in the valley of dry bones. To feel God's breath in my nostrils. To know that God was the Lord because he was, in fact, in charge over all these matters over which, ultimately, I could have no control. Friends in Christ, God calls you to new life, and God now calls you to live as he intends. He refuses to allow death or guilt to define you. He refuses to allow COVID to define you or any other negative factor in the world. He provides a safe community of brothers and sisters in this congregation through whom the Spirit works to support you. He provides ministers of the word who proclaim God's good news to you in so many ways. This Lent affirm that God is making a new path for you, life out of death. And from that truth, live with courage and love. In Jesus, amen. 
You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.